Welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Chad Brown about how he helps businesses grow by focusing on the right things. Chad is a leadership engagement expert. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs and the art and science of leadership for themselves, their teams, and clients to create new, unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. Chad is an associate partner at Take New Ground and the host of the Naked Leadership Podcast with the founding partners of TNG. This is where his love and passion for leadership and causing results are through others was ignited. He thrives in the extreme environments and finds comfort in difficult conversations. Over the last five years, Chad has trained and developed leaders at globally recognized brands like Lululemon and Ironclad Document Services, along with many Bergeoning startups. <laughs> Welcome, Chad. Thanks for having me, Virginia. <laughs> Thanks Grateful for be being here. with me. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you here today. So I'm a little excited on our conversation. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get to where you are today in this whole journey? That's a good question. Um, I've always been an entrepreneurial mind. Um, I started very early when, uh, well, I watched my dad be an entrepreneur, a struggling entrepreneur. He was a construction worker. He hung drywall in, in houses. So at 10 years old, I started scrapping houses. And if you don't know what scrapping houses is, that means going in after they hang all the drywall and cleaning up all of the scraps. So taking them out of the house, putting them in the dumpster. It's, it's really tough work. Um, and I work, I watched my dad work really hard for honestly, not very much, uh, money. We, we grew up very meager and, um, I, I can remember multiple times hearing conversations between my parents of not being able to make ends meet, you know, close to having Disneyland trips canceled and stuff like that because clients weren't paying. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up seeing, I would say the more difficult side of entrepreneurship, and, uh, you know, that's one of the things that caught my eye about your podcast is the, the entrepreneur conundrum, um, mm -hmm. which I think is, is something worth talking about. So grew up with that, uh, decided very early on in my life that I would be an entrepreneur, uh, grew up into the construction space, owned a construction, owned a construction company, which led me to, um, a real estate investment company where we built new properties. And about 2008, timing is important, 2008, I got the brilliant idea to move from construction to investment. And my idea of investment was to gather a group of investors who wanted to build real estate properties together. Because by, by the way, everybody at this moment was making tons of money in real estate. And uh, so we pooled our money together and uh, we were in the process of either building or converting uh, close to 40 properties. And as you know, timing is important. End of 2008, early 2009, the real estate bubble bursts and every property that we were sitting on at that point, it uh, it, the value of it cut in about half by about 50%. Some of them more, a little bit of less depending on the size. So what that meant is some of these properties that we were building or hoping to sell for $600,000, $700,000 are now worth two hundred and eighty, dollars And um, that leads really only down one road, 
which was bankruptcy. We lost everything. Very, very difficult conversation, very difficult lesson, life lesson for me to. And the worst part of it is that a good majority of the people that were in on this with me were friends and family. So I got a quick lesson in being in very difficult, uncomfortable conversations and navigating through them. I, you know, I, I did well in some of them. I didn't do so well in others, learned a lot of lessons. But in that moment, I told myself I'd never do anything just for money again. It had to be something that I felt passionate about, something that I felt like I could make a difference in the world in. Because really, I didn't, I didn't care about real estate. I just thought it was going to be like, you know, make a lot of money. So, uh, I remembered at that moment, at this, at this, you know, one of the best places I've found myself in life is nothing to lose, which is where I was. And um, so I decided, you know, I remember that in high school, I loved filmmaking. I loved uh, creating videos. I was part of the, uh, the videography club and all that sort of stuff. And I absolutely loved that storytelling aspect of it, but I never thought it could be a career. Like that just never even occurred to me. That was like for people in Hollywood, not for me in Utah. And, uh, and so, um, I decided I was going to pursue it. I started doing some research and finding out how this could actually be a career that it could actually make money and do something that I love doing and it could make a difference and ended up moving my small family. We had two little girls at the time. We packed up our Scion XB, which is just a little refrigerator on wheels. Can't hold much in there, especially when you got two car seats and we moved down to Southern California. And uh, I created a business called Shade Tree Films. And uh, we worked really, really hard. I say we because I took on a business partner who was really good at video creation, very incredible creative. I brought my business sense. He brought the creative. We worked together and we accelerated very quickly, started doing things for brands like uh, Volkswagen, Pixar Animation Studios, Target, very within the first two years of creating our business, which was, you know, so much of it was luck. The the market at the time, the equipment that was available, that became available to us right as we were starting, and the level of storytelling that became available to people everywhere, not just the big studios. Um, so that was the lucky part of it. And then there was the really hard work part of it, blood, sweat, and tears. Problem is, is that what happened is, is that I took the hard work part of it and I let it control my life. What happened is I ended up, we ended up traveling almost 300 days out of the year. Again, I had a wife and two little girls at home in a small apartment in Southern California with no community, brand new area, brand, you know, brand new to all of this stuff. And I was not proud of the husband that I'd become and the dad that I'd become. Two things that I said were the most important thing to me in my life took the back seat to making money once again. And, uh, and so in, on top of all of that, I was a terrible leader in our organization. Uh, at this time, we had a team of you know a few editors, a few cinematographers. We were double shooting, like we're doubling up our schedules. So we were sending out teams, and um, we had high turnover. People were burnt out, and they were very unhappy working with us. And what we would do is we would just run them into the ground. We could we would use them as long as we could until they burnt out and took off, and then we would find somebody new. And I knew it wasn't sustainable and I wasn't happy with what we had created. So me and my business partner at the time, we just said, hey, look, I, I went to him and said, this isn't working. This isn't what I want. 
And uh, we decided at that moment, if we couldn't figure out how to do this thing in a meaningful way in the next six months, we'd close the shop doors, we'd walk away. That, was a, that would be a huge loss for us if we were to walk away from what we had built and the, the brand and the reputation and the book of clients. There'd be so much potential thrown away if just because we couldn't, we didn't know how to do this in a meaningful way. So we decided that that's what we were going to do. Very shortly after that, we got introduced to a man by the name of Adrian Kaler, who positioned himself as a business coach. I had never heard of a business coach before. I had no idea that this thing even existed, but I was willing to try anything. Once again, I found myself in the position of nothing to lose. It really, it was figure it out or lose it all. And I decided that, right? So we brought him on and he was so much more than a business coach. He really interrupted the lies that we were telling ourselves about what entrepreneurship was, what it had to be, all of that kind of stuff. I remember very specifically one of our very first conversations, I think it was our second conversation. I kept saying, I'm a family man. I'm a family man. My most important thing to me is my family. And he said, Chad, you're lying. And I was offended. I was like, what do you mean I'm lying? I'm not lying. How dare you? How would you know? You know? And he said, do you want me to tell you how I know your family is not the most important thing to you? I said, yeah, go ahead and tell me. He said, because you're not, you don't have the relationships in your family that you say you want. Because if you did, like if, 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 if it was the most important thing to you, you would figure out how to get those relationships, how to spend the time with them that you want to spend, that you say you want to spend with them. But ultimately, you have the results you have because of what's most important to you. And that was re- that that moment changed everything for me. That moment was the moment that I realized that the results that I have in my life are a direct reflection of what's most important to me. And so from there on, he helped us formulate this business in a way that we, could, we he helped, he coached us into being really intentional leaders for our teams. We ultimately got the business to a place where my business, and part, my business partner and I amicably, I bought him out. We separated. He went on his way. I continued to run the business and ultimately got it to a place where I didn't need to be involved in the business any longer. I got leadership in place and, you know, systems in place where it could be autonomous for me, which is a good thing. Uh, that's ultimately where I wanted to go because I was losing interest in filmmaking and, and video creation and realized at that moment, ultimately what I wanted to do is I wanted to do for business owners and entrepreneurs what Adrian had done for me. And so I asked him if I could learn from him, study with him, help him in any way possible, get scrappy, figure it out. And then I've been able to do this for the past five years. So that's how I got long story, but that's how I got where I am today. Fun. (laughs) And it's interesting how you didn't let your dad's experience of entrepreneurship scare you or deter you from that, let's say field when you got older. Yeah. Well, I think what really what it, I mean, for a long time, the fear of being in that position, the fear of like, the fear that watching my dad be in that position gave me, led me to working more than I ever should have. 
like I was trying to compensate for the fear or the potential that that could be my reality. So I tried to work myself out of that reality. So you have um, an interesting thought or stance on like work-life balance. What's that? Yeah, well, I'd say it's a lie. I mean, given my history, given where I've been and what I've figured out, I don't think there's, I, I actually think, a, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it exists. Otherwise, what the way that I think about it is this. Whenever we're trying to balance two things, like the thing I compare it to is like a justice scale, right? Mm-hmm. Or 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 just a scale in general. We see it commonly in like the justice, you know, uh context. But this scale where you're putting you're putting you have two trays and you're putting weight on one the weight of something on one and the weight of something on the other and you're working to balance those out. The problem is is that when you're doing that you're pitting the two things against each other. Think about it actually in terms of physics. What you're doing is you're putting that weight on those plates and you're creating tension between the two so that they can eventually weigh out. But the problem is, is that our life is not a substance that we can carefully measure out in each moment, right? And so what we're doing is we're putting undue tension between two things. That's my experience anyway. So what happens is when the, when the business needs a little bit more weight and the, and the family starts to suffer, we suffer. Like we feel discontent in that because we're not giving as much to our family as we are to our business or the other way around. And that tension builds. And that's a very high stress experience. Most people, I I work with entrepreneurs every single day in this conversation, and they feel more stress trying to balance their life than they do if they would just adopt what I, so I have another idea of balance that I think is actually something that is useful. Now, the idea of balance that I have is a different kind of balance, which is going where it's needed, like going where you're needed at the moment. So the way that I illustrate this one is, I don't know, when I was a kid, cleaning those houses for my dad. The thing we had to do after after we scrapped all that drywall is we had to sweep. We had to sweep up all of the excess screws and the dust and the, all the paper scraps from the sheetrock. And I often found myself, instead of doing what I was supposed to be doing, uh, I often found myself putting the broom on my hand with the stick down and the head, and the, the head, the brush, 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 how do you say that word? Bristles. Bristles. There we go. The bristles of the broom (laughs) up in the air and working to balance the broom on my hand. It's a fun game, right? How long can you keep the broom in the air? (laughs) Now, this is also a type of balance, but it's a very different type of balance. Meaning in order to keep that broom in the air, where does my focus have to be? Up. It has to be on the the bristles. I got it. It has to be on the bristles of the broom. The moment I take my sight off of the head of the broom, the broom falls. Now, this is interesting. Now, when I, when I stay focused on the head of the broom, my hand almost automatically shifts in order to keep it in. I don't really have to do a lot of thinking about the direction my hand has to go in order to keep that head of the broom in the air. 
It almost happens automatically. That's really important in the analogy because the way that I think about this is the head of the broom is my aim. That's my vision for my life. And I say life encompassing everything. I don't have a business life and a family life. Now, I have moments of my life when I'm in the context of business, and I have moments of my life when I'm in the context of family, but they're not two separate lives. And when they are, that creates undue tension. So I look at it as a whole, and everything contained in my life has a vision. Where am I going with my business? Where am I going with my family? Where do I see us in a year, in four years, and whatever? What do I want with them? And that's contained in the vision. And as long as I keep my sight on the vision, like the relation, let's take example. I have a, I have a, I have two teenage daughters um, and I'm very, very intentional about, or, or I, tr- I work to be very intentional about the kind of relationship that I, I want with them, which is a, a, a trusting relationship uh, an opportunity, like a, a relationship where we talk about the real things that we, you know, that the, if they're having a difficult time, they can come to me, all of that sort of stuff. Like that's my vision. And ultimately I want to be friends with them. I want them to want to be with me when they're adults. That's my aim with them. Okay. So knowing my aim with them, I can, that's the, remember that's the head of the broom. If I keep my eyes singled to that, my actions in the moment will almost dictate themselves because I'm so clear on where we're going that I'm not going to do something that compromises or puts at stake that vision. Or when I do, I'm quick to notice it and willing to correct it. So what that means is I'm not going to ignore my relationship with my daughter for the sake of my business and vice versa. So how do you go about then? <laughs> it's a very, it seems like a very fine balance. One hand balance will go that way. <laughs> so how, so if you're going to focus on your daughter without the jeopardy of work and focus on work without the jeopardy of your daughter. Right on. So how do you integrate that aspect of it where you are, let's say, fully present in each situation? Yeah. So I don't know about fully present. I I don't, I'm not fully present ever really. (laughs) I'm, I'm a human, right? So there, there are these ideas and these tropes that I think are passed around the entrepreneurial circle circles that sound really good. And in reality are again, creating more tension than needed. When I'm working with an entrepreneur and they tell me they want to be present, fully present in every moment, I say, good, I I curse, but good luck, <laughs> right? Because sure, aim for presence. But the idea of being always present in every moment is, I think it's a pipe dream. So why don't we actually get real about what's possible and be to be present in the moment would be to, for say, if I'm with my daughter and I start thinking about work stuff, to be present in that moment is to be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I just, you, you know, will you forgive me? I just left our conversation. I'm thinking about this thing at work and, you know, and this, this problem that I'm solving or this challenge that I'm up against or whatever, will you forgive me? I'm back with you now. 
and and be with them as much as I can and then claim it again if it happens again. So you're right. It is a delicate, quote unquote, balance. But welcome to the human experience. <laughs> like that's a problem. It's not a problem. It's going to be a challenge for the rest of my life. Yep. I'm up for the challenge is what I'm saying. And I'm excited for the challenge. And I'm going to learn new things every single day that are going to be for my success in the challenge. There's nothing wrong with it being challenging forever. Makes it more interesting, right? That's, I, I think so. <laughs> so who are your ideal clients? Before we go there, I, okay, yeah. one, of the, one of the things that I think what I, that I was sensing you were going to is like, okay, nice analogies, nice idea. How do we apply it? Pretty much. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Well, the first thing, and most, I will tell you this, most entrepreneurs that I start working with or th that think about working with me and I do a discovery call with them, they don't do this. They think they do, but they don't. The very first step is to have a vision a vision or an aim for every area of your life. What is a future worth having for you? Most are so caught up in the day-to-day, -day, making this thing work, surviving, paying the, I hear, I hear paying the bills and surviving more than I hear anything else from an entrepreneur. That is not a vision. That is a function. That is paying the bills is not a future worth having. Who gets excited about that? When I say, Virginia, when I say, <laughs> I'm going to pay the bills, do you just like jump out of your seat? Oh man, that's a future worth having. That's something to fight for. That's something to go up against a challenge every single day for. Of course not. That's why they're stuck in the day to day. That's why they want to look to a mechanism like balance in order to find out if they're doing it right. And I say, you don't know if you're doing it right until you have a clear vision, a clear aim. And this isn't woo-woo vision board stuff. This is like, no, what do you want? What are you committed to having for yourself and your life and your legacy and your family and your company and your employees in detail? That's the very first step. And that's the only step I'm going to talk about in this conversation because it's not even worth talking about the next steps until you have that. So that's how we apply it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Know what I want. Yeah. <laughs> then I can figure out how to get there, right? That's right. Well, as soon as you have the vision, now possibilities and resources show up that you couldn't see before. That's why I say it doesn't make sense to talk about how to balance your life until you're clear on what you want, because you don't know what resources and possibilities are available yet. Especially because I'm so focused on the like, just in front of me that That's I'm not, my head's not up looking around. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, thank you. Sure. <laughs> so what kind of people do you like to talk to? Is your ideal person to talk to and to help through all of this stuff? Uh, my ideal client is, or people to talk to, people to help, whoever you want to put it, is somebody who 
has stake in the game, like has a stake in what they're up to. Like there's something that they really want and they just don't know how to get there. Because what happens is, is that when somebody really wants something and they don't know how to get there, all it takes is another perspective that's willing to question the reality that they've made up about where they are. Because we have blind spots. We just do. You can't Mm -hmm. see the water you're swimming in until somebody shows you, hey, did you see this over here? Oh, no. Uh, How? how?" And I hear this all the time with my clients. I don't even know how I didn't see that or think about that. It's like, okay, you're human. Right? The, The opportunity is for you to bring somebody else into your world, like me, doesn't matter if it's me, but but definitely if you're an entrepreneur, you need somebody else in your world who is, and here's the key, they must be as committed to your vision as you are. And even sometimes more. Otherwise, all you're going to get is just a bunch of bad advice based on their vision for you. They must be committed to your vision for you. So when I work, when I, when somebody comes to me and wants to work with me, I first have to get clarity for their vision and make sure it's something that I can get committed to. If it seems too small, I say too small. If it seems uh, like there's not a lot of risk in it, or if it, if, if it seems like it's, you know, obviously if it's not ethical or something (laughs) like that. I'm not your fit. I'm not your person because I can't get committed to it. But when I do get committed to it, if it's big enough, if it seems audacious enough for us to actually go off and it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be a struggle and it's going to bring up all sorts of garbage that you've been carrying for years and years, then I'm in. And when that happens, I'm going to believe in you so much that often I won't believe you. The reason I won't believe you is because you've created a reality around you that's that contributes to the blind spots, the things that you can't see. And I'm going to be calling those out. And oftentimes, our conversation is going to look like an argument. You're going to be arguing for your limitations. I'm going to be arguing for your possibilities. And you have to decide who wins. In other words, I couldn't get offended and stay offended. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I can get offended. Oftentimes, the truth of the truth is offensive. It's only because we like it so much. We like our little reality version of it. <laughs> That's right. The comfort, the comfort that we've built. So, how do you get in front of the entrepreneurs that want to grow into? really break free of those limitations that they may know or may not know that they have. Yeah. Well, I'm doing it right now with you, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, sir. So that's one way. Um, Just getting connected with people, getting connected with you, coming here as my whole self and being willing to lay it all out there. I mean, I'm here fully with you and that's, you know, that's the opportunity to, 
how to get in front of them. I mean, there's a million ways to get in front of them. Most of my clients actually come from referral of other clients because of the results that they see. And nothing is as powerful as hearing from somebody the difference that it's made in their life. Uh, there's nothing that can compare to that. Of course, I do podcasts and I, you know, do social media and all of that kind of stuff. But the the power really is, is when I can start building a network of those who know each other, who start thinking similarly. And then they all notice that all ships start rising, which is really, really cool experience. So uh, I'll get into certain industry networks where people that work together or partner together really want each other to to think in this similar way. And so they'll refer me to their friends and their family and the people that they work with. So that's been the most fruitful way for me to get in front of entrepreneurs who are really ready to do something new. Gotcha. What's a big goal that you have for the next year or two that you want to achieve? So I am creating, I'm glad you asked, creating a YouTube channel Um, where I actually, uh, so this is still, I'm committed to it. So, um, the idea is the concept is, is that I'm going to bring on entrepreneurs and, uh, I will have a discovery call with them, right? We'll record it and we'll publish it to the YouTube channel. So it's very, very high risk, but high opportunity, right? Risky for me. I've got to, I got to show up, be ready risky for them. They have to do the same sort of thing. And I think it's going to produce a high amount of value for uh, those who can watch, because I don't know about you, but anytime I get the opportunity to watch another entrepreneur work through some of their challenges, I get so much out of it, Mm -hmm. so much out of it. And that's my vision for it is that we, it's real and raw And people can see me giving entrepreneurs feedback about the reality that they've put themselves in. So that's the concept. The the aim is to reach 100,000 entrepreneurs over the next year with these conversations and add value to their life as they watch them and uh, and interact with them. So you're uh, 100,000 entrepreneurs. Is that the number? Mm Mm-hmm. So would that be through discovery calls or people subscribe to your YouTube channel or views? How would you? Yeah. I, the metric that we're going to pay attention to is returning views, Okay. right? So if I can get that number, if I can get returning viewers up towards that number, then that's going to be a win for me because that means it was so valuable to them. They came back for more. Yeah, that's cool. What do you feel is your number one roadblock in reaching that goal? Um, the number one roadblock is my uh, my disbelief. I know I can get there. I know I'm committed to getting there. Uh, the in as as a vision, right? What happens for me, and I think a lot of people relate to this, is that the disbelief comes into some of the lot, some of the day-to-day actions that are needed to be taken. So right now we're in this stage of finding entrepreneurs who want to come on to the show and, and be with me in a very real and authentic way and, and do that publicly. Now, 
I'm committed to them coming out of these conversations looking like rock stars. They will because they are. And I'm, I am personally handpicking each person that's in there. So I know whoever I work with in these, in this context is going to win at the end of the call. I just know that. Um, so, but I have doubts that people will want to do it at least first at first when the concept isn't proven and they can't see an example of somebody else going through it and coming out looking like the amazing rock star that they are. So right now that's the barrier that that feels big to me. So we're working through it. We're testing things where I'm using my email list and my social media, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And the response is low. So that means reiterate, reiterate or iterate, 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 iterate. Uh, until we find something that helps people get the vision and want to want to do it with me. Do you think if you did like a sample, let's say, um, that that might help? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I've got the first, we're filming the first one tomorrow. So Ooh. it's in. So we've got a few people that are in and have taken a risk and, and we'll learn lots, obviously, oh. along the way. Um, but yeah, I think that'll help. But it'll be so much more about how I'm being with people that will allow them to know that this is going to be something for their benefit. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I'm excited Thanks. for you. <laughs> I'm excited too. What is the best advice you've ever received? Don't listen to advice. <laughs> the best advice is, I mean, really that is, so my mentor, uh, Dan Takini, he's a, he's part of, uh, so in the intro you read, I'm, you know, I'm part of an organization called Take New Ground. And he's one of the founders of Take New Ground. He's my mentor. He's been in this work for 40 or over 50 years, uh, just a sage uh, and and uh, an incredible human being. And he always tells me, you know, he's always coaching me on not giving advice and not taking advice because advice comes from the reality and perception of somebody else. So it doesn't mean don't consider it. It just means what's more valuable than advice is a good question. Somebody who's willing to ask you a powerful question that can open up and help you see the reality that you've created and the perception that you're coming for from is always more powerful because then you can take that learning and that finding, and you can apply it to where you are today, rather than where somebody else was in their perceptions, their realities, their challenges, their traumas, all of that sort of stuff. Because nobody can give advice without being without it being informed by those things. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird answer, but uh, I, I really believe it to be true. I my I'm not an advice guy. I don't give advice. I ask questions, and that's the power of my work. Yeah. So in other words, like in essence, take advice with a grain of salt, but maybe think about how to apply it differently or how it would work or whatever. We, well, yeah. Ish. And even more than that, find people in your life who will ask you meaningful questions rather than give you advice. There's a lot of advice givers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Have you been on Instagram lately? <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good point, right? I mean, advice is everywhere. Advice is everywhere. Um, there's not a lot of thoughtful questions that allow you to open up your own reality. So on that note, 
what's the best advice you've ever given? (laughs) (laughs) Don't take advice. (laughs) Best advice you've ever given. Ask lots of questions. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's truly it is like so many, it's the self-help industry, right? I mean, that's, that's really what self-help is, is it's, it's an industry built on advice but it's interesting if you've ever looked at the studies of people who read self-help and look, I read self-help. I, 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 I'm a junkie. Like I love just reading. I love reading different ideas. Hopefully when I'm paying attention, I'm not under the illusion that those ideas are always going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And that's where the self-help industry falls short is because if you read the studies that people have done on folks who, who engage in self-help, the results that they produce in their life is very low. It's very low, like shockingly low. And you have to, I have to ask myself that that bothers me a little bit. It's like, well, why, why, why can't we read something that's self-help and then go create the results? And ultimately it's because we have a totally different mecha or we have a totally different, um, world of thoughts and feelings and beliefs that inform our decisions than the person who wrote the self-help self-help advice book. So my conclusion is the best thing that I could do is go get familiar with my beliefs, thinking, you know, uh, feelings, doubts, all of that kind of stuff, and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Because really like any information that we receive, we have to figure out whether it's going to serve us or not. Right. That's right. So knowing myself and what my core values and whatever is then helps me determine what I'm going to do with that information. Exactly. Yeah. So you have this concept on like discipline equals freedom. Mm -hmm. What do you, can you elaborate on that for us? Sure. Yeah. Uh, So the idea is is that freedom is, we have to define what freedom is first, right? Everybody has a different idea of what freedom is. The most popular idea of freedom is that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Ultimately, that what we've, what has been proven over and over again is that definition of freedom is actually despair. Being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with no consequence, no, nothing tied to it. First, it's not even reality. There's always consequences to the choices that we make. And ultimately those who have the lowest amount of responsibilities are the most depressed and unhappy. Isn't that interesting? Right. Right. The thing that we think, and this is really prevalent in the entrepreneur space. It's like, Oh, I'm going to become an entrepreneur so that I can choose my own hours and I can have all of this freedom. And then I'm going to get super rich so I don't have to work. And guess what happens to people who don't work? Well, look at the retired people. They get depressed. They have a crisis of meaning. Now, I'm not talking about the person who works until they're you know, has a great career and builds something of legacy until they're 55, 60, 65, and then retires and goes and, you know, th- th- that's a different thing. I'm, I'm talking about those who think they're going to get rich quick 
mm. which is a lot of entrepreneurship, right? And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be a million, I'm gonna be a millionaire by the time I'm 35, and then I'm gonna have all the freedom in the world. Well, guess what? I work with a lot of people who have achieved all of the financial goals they ever had for themselves, and there's still something missing. And for me, that all of that meaning comes from discipline. The thing that's really beautiful about business is that it requires discipline or it doesn't work. It requires discipline, at least for a moment of time, or it doesn't work. It's not successful. So ultimately, what happens is when we put in place disciplines, we, and we get discipline, we get committed to those disciplines, it frees up so much of our minds that we get to be creative, right? So the, the example that I use in this, in this topic, which I think is pretty relatable to most people, is the discipline of fitness, right? When I get disciplined in my fitness, meaning, so my discipline looks like this. I am the guy it's not a fitness goal. It's not this race or lose this amount of weight or lift this much or anything like that. I, I think there's problems with that as well. It's, it's a commitment. So I am the, my, my discipline around fitness sounds like this. I'm the guy that works out or is active five days a week for the rest of my life. I'm the guy that is active or works out five days a week for the rest of my life. Now, do you know what kind of freedom comes with that discipline? I'm no longer thinking about I don't if I'm going to go to the gym or not. I'm no longer thinking about what I'm going to do when I get to the gym. I'm not thinking about, you know, it frees my mind of all of that stuff because I'm just the guy. I'm in. I'm committed. That's it, period. Not to mention the freedoms that come from being fit, <laughs> meaning I get to run around with my kids at the park. I get to go on a hike when I want to. I get to, you know, whatever, all of the, all of the things, all of the benefits that come from being a fit person. And that is what I mean when I say freedom comes from discipline and nothing else. Thank you. Yeah. I have enjoyed our time together today. Um, is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we haven't yet? No, this has been great. There's a lot of good stuff here. I hope. <laughs> I'm sure that you- It was great for me. It. Oh, good. <laughs> hope <laughs> there's value here for others. <laughs> I believe so. Where can we go to learn more about you and what you do? Uh, you know, I'm on all of the typical places. You can check me out on Instagram. Uh, I don't post there much, but I do pay attention to the messages just because I get people reaching out there. Um, so chad.leslie.brown um, is my handle on Instagram. Uh, you can email me if you want to chat, chad at takenewground.com. Um, yeah, I'm I'm easy to find. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you and have a great day and we'll keep in touch. Thanks so much, Virginia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review. And I'll catch you on the next episode.